Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project. The Genius Project exists to serve you as a Catholic woman and to resource you towards growth and wholeness in your life. Now we seek to do this through a number of initiatives here at The Genius Project. One is The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to. The other is The Catholic Women's Masterclass, which is a four-month journey of transformation in which you learn to implement and walk through four rhythms of renewal that will really bring transformation to your life. The other area that we resource women is through our Catholic coaching programs for women, as well as our live virtual Catholic women's events and our online courses and resources. If you are interested in finding out more about any of these initiatives, can I invite you to visit our website www.geniusproject.co or come and join us on Instagram genius underscore project underscore daily. You can also subscribe to the Genius Project YouTube channel. On this week's episode of the Genius Podcast, I'm joined by a special guest, Roxanne Riveski. Roxanne's a beautiful woman who I met through Alyssa, and she lives in Melbourne, Australia. Roxanne was recently a guest on the Real Women series that the Genius Project and Sisterhood produced in conjunction with Shalom World TV. You can check out her episode and the whole series, 12 beautiful episodes, on Shalom World TV Australia Real Women series. Roxanne's had an incredible journey of coming to know the Lord at a deeper level and the healing that he's brought in terms of her relationship with her own mother and then her children. In today's episode, we're going to be talking around this idea of spiritual motherhood, physical motherhood, and the role that the Blessed Mother plays in our life as Catholic women. Ladies, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Roxanne. Well, Roxanne, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's so wonderful having you joining us from Melbourne today. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's great. I can see you're in a jumper, which means it's really cold. <laughs> the it's weather's cold. just turned, hasn't it? Oh, miserable Melbourne. <laughs> I know. And it's just we're sort of moving into that season now of autumn and it is starting to get cooler. But anyway, we um, we soldier on and look forward to summer again. I'm like, and yet summer is never long enough for me. I just never. love summer. I love being hot. My daughter said to me this morning, do you prefer being really hot or really cold? I said, really hot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you all the way in that one, Karen. <laughs> yeah. So, Roxanne, we're going to have a, a skim across a few different topics today, but really the centre of our conversation is around, I guess, the role of motherhood, like the role that our mums played in our life as women, the role that we play in other people's lives, whether that's through spiritual motherhood or if we have our own biological children through physical motherhood. And then I guess the role the Blessed Mother plays in our life as Catholic women. But before we jump into that, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about your background and, and your faith journey. Yeah, sure. Um so I was um, baptised and raised Catholic. Um, however, we weren't a practising um, Catholic family. We'd occasionally go to church. I may, maybe remember a couple of times going to church with mum. Dad never never went and um, doing my sacraments. However, I never did my confirmation. I actually did my confirmation in my 30s, um, which I thought was quite beautiful because it meant a lot more um not you know it doesn't mean more to younger kids but I was at a stage in my life where I was coming back to the faith on my own and I really felt God calling me to to journey back to him and um and live a life that was intended for me and to step into you know the beloved daughter that he created me to be and so um 
yeah, just, you know, going through life and, um, you know, having my own biological mother growing up with her has was, was never easy. Um, we, it was a strained relationship at the best of times. Um, however, you know, she is my mother and I do love her and, you know, only coming back to my faith and, and healing with, with God, I've realised that, you know, she's got her own wounds and her own healing and, um, you know, I just pray for her and, yeah, but I've been very blessed um, that I had an auntie or that I have an auntie whom I'm very close with, so my mother's sister, and, um, you know, she played a very pivotal role in my life growing up and being a, a mother to me um, and, you know, she was very nurturing and I guess I got a lot of that from her than my own mother. And I know growing up um, it was very difficult, very difficult to see friends um, who were close to their mums and had these really good relationship with their mothers and then, you know, they would come back after the weekend and say what they did with their mums. And especially growing up as a teenager, you, t- you, you tend to want to have that, you know, best friends relationship with your mum, still your mother, but, you know, you, you want to you know, do stuff and with your mum and, you know, even if it's just shopping or um, going out for a coffee. But, you know, I never had that and there was always an emptiness inside and, um, you know, a very broken heart. And although I've been blessed with having an auntie and I know so many um, women and men out there that, you know, didn't have a mum and didn't have a mother figure step into that role. I, you know, mm. I do count my blessings that God always had my auntie there. Um, it just, you just know, well, that she's not my mum. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you, sure. you still crave and yearn for your own mother's love and your own um, mother's relationship. Um, and, you know, that carried well into my adulthood with me. And um, I, I, I found, you know, and even my auntie, she would say to me that, you know, you've got to heal from those wounds with your mum. And I never really understood what she meant. And I, you know, I just put it to a, a lot of other things going on my, in my life. And then, yeah, it wasn't, you know, until I did actually your course, um, the Genius Project okay. course, um, you know, it really touched on God wanting to heal me in those areas. Like I knew in the back of my mind and in my heart that um, there was a lot of healing that needed to be done. However, um, I just didn't know how to go you know, go about doing it and, um, you know, throughout life you're always seeking fulfilment or, or you know, filling up that space, that, that brokenness, but through a lot of things of the world. So you wouldn't, you never come. Like, I never felt like I was satisfied, and there was always the hurt still there, and there was never really any healing. So, yeah, doing the course had made you know really opened my eyes up and and really opened up a lot of things for me, yeah. and also really coming back to the faith and and living a life of the faith. You know, putting God first and and just trusting in His love and mercy and letting Him sit, you know, in my heart and just sitting with him and letting him heal those areas mm. of hurt and just trying to listen to him and, and hear what, he, you know, he, he had to say to me. Yes. And, um, and yeah, then obviously I, I, you know, had my own children and I've always wanted to be a mother. That, that was always something that I knew deep in my heart that that's what I wanted 
to become and I wanted to have my own children and you know I remember growing up thinking that if I was was a mum I'd be a better mother than my own mother and I would never you know let my kids feel the way that I felt and and through that gift through that suffering you know God did give me a gift to be a better mother and and to impart um things that I guess I learned and struggled with to, to my children and yeah. And even better to be able to pass on the faith to them. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Your journey is amazing, isn't it? And I've just watched you over the last couple of years go from strength to strength in your faith, in your relationships. And that's been really beautiful actually to witness and just the transformation even in your face of, of yeah. walking into that freedom. But, Rox, I wonder if we can take us back, I guess, to when you were a kid and um I guess some of those experiences, like the role, I guess, that a mother plays in a child's life, um, what did you feel that was particularly missing for you? Just the nurturing um, aspect, the the feeling of being wanted, the feeling of being loved um, and feeling of um, being respected as well as an individual and and, um, knowing, you know, just having a mother there to to what you know to know that you're not a mistake and that you know you are loved and that you are wanted and um you know just that feeling of safety yes yeah that that yeah was a a lot of it was a lot of emotional trauma more than anything yeah. Yeah, and it takes a long time to walk out of that. I know in the church that like, we talk a lot about the father wound that happens because you know we, relating to God the Father and there's a lot of work that's been done around I guess our relationship with our earthly fathers impacting our view of God as a loving and a good father. And it wasn't until recently or probably 10 years ago that I came across a little bit of work on the mother wound because I think that area can sometimes be neglected that there's a lot of focus on the father wound but that we also sometimes suffer a wound in that sense of being nurtured and and that father wound is around protection and identity the mother wound's a little bit different it is around that sense like you said of being seen known and loved and a sense of being at home yeah, I think that's a really big one that when we don't encounter, I guess, that sense from our parents, like you said, you know, we can go out in search of that. Um, but, you know, the great news and the beautiful thing that you've discovered is that in Christ, like we can actually experience that and we can receive healing in that. Yeah, so, Rox, I'm wondering if you can share with me, I guess, an experience that you had, like what was a pivotal moment where you realised that you had this ache and that the things that you were sort of looking to weren't satisfying that ache? Um, What was that sort of moment, I guess, of awakening to the work that needed to be done? Like you alluded to the fact that your auntie said you'll need to heal and you touched on the masterclass, but I guess in your own interior life and and quiet time was there a moment or something that happened that really kind of catapulted you into wanting to go after that healing yeah um yeah so this goes back quite a few years before I even met my husband um so you know you touched on like the healing of a mother and and, you know the wounds that come from a father and the wounds that come from a mother are very very different I, you know I find that the wounds of of lacking a father figure although you know I did have a father in my life but he was never really present you know you search for 
that in different ways as you, you know, progress and get older and, and it's like more attention seeking or, you know, um, seeking the attention of men. And then the mother wound had a lot has a lot to do with like your own self-respect and and how worthy you feel and and you know there is that whole self-loathing and um, worthlessness that comes with that and so you know having all of that baggage with me I you know came into a, a relationship um and you know who who wasn't he wasn't good for me and it was an abusive relationship but I didn't know any better and I didn't, and again, it just circled back to that whole feeling of, you know, I'm not worthy and um, that whole, whole well, you know, you don't deserve any better. This is, this is you know, what, what you deserve and this is, you know, the, the cycle, I guess, that I was in. And I just, you know, remember waking up one morning thinking, I have to break this cycle. Like I can't live in a life of abuse, um, especially from people that I think, you know, that, love me but they don't or um that I think that I love them and just and I remember as clear as day just waking up and right on um opposite my wall from my bed was um a crucifix like I've always had Jesus in my life and um you know he's always been there I've always sort of felt him and you know prayed to him and suffered with him but I'm not in a way of you know following out my faith and sacraments and going to church but just yeah, I, I guess I never felt like he abandoned me, but I yeah. just never turned to him. And I remember, yeah, clearly waking up and seeing the cross and I just felt in my heart that's when God was like, you need to come back or you need to seek me. And so I did, and this was um, really late into my teens, going into my early 20s, and um, and I started going back to church, not regularly. Um, I'd occasionally, you know, go to um, reconciliation um, but still living a very secular life, so going out partying and um, yeah, not living a life of faith sure. and what yeah. what God still intended for me to do. And and again, it was just because I didn't know what was right and what was wrong, and I was never really guided on that path as well. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, I'll go to church on a Sunday. I'm fine. I've ticked that box. God's got me, but I'm just going to go out and party afterwards. It just didn't, you know, um, again, it was feeling that spiritual need, but still constantly seeking like what the world had to give me. So there was always this constant emptiness. And, um, and then, yeah, so I um, was doing that for a while. And then I eventually met my um, now husband and when I gave birth to my second child, um, who's now seven, um, I was taking my first child to school, which was a Catholic school, and then I would um, started going to church in the morning just after I dropped him off. And then I got invited by the priest to, because I'd wait till daily mass was finished and then I'd go in and say a prayer and then leave. And then obviously the um, parish priest there at the time saw me and he invited me in and he said, come and join us for daily mass. And so I did, and um, and that's where you know, the call started. That's when I could mm. really start to feel God working in me. And, um, and yeah, and this parish priest, um, Father Lift, I'll never forget him. He was so pivotal in my journey back to the faith and helped me um, receive my sacrament of confirmation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that was the journey. And then come COVID and COVID was 
I know a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't agree, but was a great blessing for me because that was when the veil was truly lifted from my eyes and God revealed himself to me and revealed the lies that I was um, believing in myself and yeah. he just aligned everything. I prayed for it. I prayed for faithful friends. I prayed um, to him to say, look, God, you know, I've journeyed this far and where do you want to take me? And um, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine, Rox. Um, and just he asked really, him. He hmm? really answered your prayers, didn't he? He, he really, did. He really did. He, I, and I said to him, I said, you know, whatever, I don't need in my life. I'm, I'm ready to let go of it. Um, and that included friends or, you know, so-called friends. Um, and I just asked him that I don't know if I've been living the life that you wanted me to live, so can you just show me the path? And he did, and he aligned everything, everything from my friends that I have now to you to to the to the course, which was one of the biggest eye-openers for me. Um, I learned so much from that. And from that course just even catapulted me further into faith and further into living how God wanted me to live and how he wanted me to raise my family and how everything just falls in perfect harmony. And mm. since, you know, coming into all of that and God revealing himself and the healing, I've just found total peace and happiness in my life, which might not That's seem like it with tears, but, um, yeah, it's, you just. Uh, sometimes they're just tears of joy, right, and, and tears of gratitude that the Lord yeah has rescued you and brought beauty from ashes in your life. Like I think it's a beautiful response to what the Lord's done. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I always thank God, but I always, you know, I always say I'm so sorry I didn't come to you sooner, but God has his timing for everything and we've just got to trust in that. And, again, it was that old tune in my head thinking oh, I'm not worthy and I'm worthless and, Lord, how can you forgive me after all of those sins and all of those years that I've lived like that. It's not till late in my 30s I could have saved 30 years or more of, you know, living a life of faith. But I understood, no, stop playing that tune. That's what the enemy wants you to hear. God is infinite in his mercy and he's called you now because I, he knows that I've got a lot more to offer now and I'm I'm ready. It's almost like he said, yep, you're ready. Go, go be my child and go forth. Amen. Oh, praise God, Rox. It, that is just such a powerful testimony to the power and the mercy of God. Honestly, it's just beautiful. And I think, you know, the Lord has really, he wastes nothing in our life. You know, that Romans, all things work for good for those that love the Lord. And I once heard a preacher say, he's going to take your test and make it a testimony and turn your mess into a message. And nothing, not one single thing is ever wasted in our life. So even our mistakes, he has the power to redeem and restore. And then yeah. when we can actually receive forgiveness, receive his mercy and his healing, then we become what Henry Nguyen calls the wounded healer. Like then we can take our wounds and the wounds don't, Satan would love our wounds to keep us contained and point us towards, you know, destruction and shame. But when Christ truly comes in and redeems those wounds, they become this beacon of light of his glory. And and that you can, your testimony is so much more powerful because of that journey of mercy. You're just able to proclaim the mercy, the forgiveness and the love of God, which is just so yeah. powerful. And you really have, having walked with you so closely through the masterclass and that journey, like I've seen up close just that 
that progress that you've made and what the Lord did in your life. And it's truly stunning to step back and to witness that in somebody's life. That was such a gift for me. And I guess, you know, when we've walked the faith for many years, sometimes you can lose a sense of that awe and wonder and just the gift of seeing somebody, I guess, come to that revelation for the first time just excites my heart and it just awakens faith again in people who have been walking that for many years. So it's a beautiful journey that you've been on. Thank you so much, Karen. Roxanne, the course that you keep mentioning is obviously the masterclass, which we're taking women through. What were your big takeaways? Did it have an impact on you? How did you experience it? You know, um, that course, I kept putting it off. I really did, but it just kept popping up and I knew, okay, this is where God was leading me. He, He obviously found that there was something in this course that I needed to journey with. And so I bit the bullet and I and I did it. And can I just tell you, it just catapulted me where I needed to go and that journey that I needed to, to go through, especially with the healing. But one of one, my biggest takeaways was the pyramid of priorities. Um, that was a real eye-opener for me because I had everything so unstructured it was upside all down. over the place upside down and although I was trying to live for God first everything else was a mess so there was just never any peace especially in my home like everything was just crazy so you know the pyramid of priorities says you know God first and then us and then our vocation so our vocation is marriage or my vocation is marriage and then children and I was having God children maybe my husband maybe me so it was just really unorganized and I eventually found okay so that's that's where the mess was in my life and I came to understand that living in that pyramid of priority doesn't take away from you loving or serving your children any less if anything it better serves them because then you that you you give them a role model of this is you know we serve mum and dad like as husband and wife first because it was out of our love you know we bore you children so I've got to nurture that relationship first and when that's strengthened as a couple as a husband and wife and as a mother and father we together strengthen Mm. our children and their needs Mm. and that was once I had that all in place it's everything just started to fall in place and again it was respecting my husband and you know, um, respecting his needs and and, and um, you know, being attentive to his needs. Mm. And when I was giving him that, he was showing that back in return. And something really beautiful my friend had said to me um, when I was going through that really dark time with, with my husband, she said, it was so beautiful because I could see God breaking you both down to nothing and then building you up together as one. Together. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow. That When she said that, Jess, shout out to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really powerful because I saw that. I saw that, yes, he was breaking us down to nothing so he could build us up to what yes. he wanted and as what we were meant to be and as husband and wife and as one, as a team again. Yeah. Wow. So beautiful. Um, it's amazing that journey of restoration when we actually, like we're saying, surrender to him, surrender to what's happening in our life. We often say that we need to learn to consent to that which we have not chosen. 
yeah. sometimes you know suffering comes into our life or our marriage may go through a season and we're like well I didn't choose this and I don't want it this way but consenting to that process and then inviting the Lord into that and praying for that restoration is key I'm so glad that that the, your group, that cohort of the masterclass was beautiful. Every group has been beautiful, actually. Yeah. But just watching the transformation in each of you as we walk together um, was such a blessing for me, actually, just to to bear witness to that and yeah. to help, I guess, facilitate and give formation around some of those things was such a beautiful gift. Yeah. Oh, look, it certainly helped me grow. Um it was the water that nourished me to help me grow. That That's probably the best way I could put it. Um, you know, you laid a lot of foundations that I didn't have there before. So, you know, you really are a gift in my life and, um, you know, the masterclass was a gift in my life, but it was almost like I was already, I was broken and that masterclass just helped build me back up, but with the firm foundation that it needed to, to begin with, which I never had. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Rox. Oh, gosh. I feel so humble just by that. Oh, my gosh. I really do. Honestly, Karen, you what you're doing and words just can't express my gratitude. Um, yes, thanks be to God, but you're an instrument that he's using. And, gosh, you, you're using your talents and your gifts so, so well and glorifying him. But I just think, you know, I said to my son, I said, you might not see the fruits that you bear in this life, but you know what a great gift it's going to be when you get to heaven and God shows you all the souls that you saved. And I think about that with you, Karen, and what you do in your masterclass. Like think about all the souls that you have saved when God opens the door in heaven and goes, "Thanks be to God, Karen, you have brought these people with you." Thanks, Rox. That's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such um, a privilege and a joy. And we just had the sisterhood conference a few weeks ago, and. Um, just one of the beautiful young women, I don't know if you watched it on Shalom, but Tamara shared her story and she was a 12-year-old girl in our boarding school way back when. She's in her 30s now and she was just talking about those little seeds and we, like you said, we often don't see them. We may not see them in this lifetime, but we have to trust that the Lord blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And, and I, my experience has been it's just so beautiful to allow the Lord to sort of flow through you to help others. And when you do that, you're just blessed tenfold. Mm. There's so many graces in that. And it's that joy that radiates within that we were talking about earlier. And I really see that in you. There's just, there's something that radiates outside of you. And as I said, like, it's only something that can really be given if, if you are following your faith and you're leading a life Christ wants you to be, you radiate something that no one else has, you know, and and that really does with you. Every time I see you, you just put a smile straight on my face, and, and vice versa. <laughs> oh, you just uh, uh, yes, this will just be this mutual admiration club for a moment. But uh, <laughs> the, the the peace, I think the Lord's given you this beautiful gift of peace, and coming into your presence and encountering that, there's something really soothing I, I find for myself in that. So. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I, I certainly can tell you, growing up was not peaceful. It was not a life of peace, and um, I just found being away from home, you know, if I was staying with my aunties or uncles and cousins and stuff, um, that's where I'd find peace. It was never in my home, so mm-hmm. it's nice that you know you can see that, and um, because oh, that's something that I want to create in my home is that is that peace, and yeah. Uh, you just ooze that 
Rock. <laughs> peace. I think if there was one word, like, I, you know, if you could choose a word or a virtue over someone, when I think of you, I think of this deep abiding peace, which is within you. Oh, thank so, you, Karen. Yeah. yeah, praise be to God. He's 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 put it there. He really has. And again, it's just surrendering to the Lord, just like a child, and just giving it all, and knowing that you know He's got it. He'll take care of it, and He'll journey with you. Yeah, so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, look, honestly, you're such an incredibly beautiful woman of God. And that's why I just wanted you to share your story on this podcast, because the depth of your faith and your relentlessness to pursue God in all things and give him glory in all things is quite inspirational. But just coming back to your healing, you really made that decision. And there's a saying here that says that what is not healed can be transferred, like what is not restored then can be sort of placed onto other people and relationships but can become toxic. Prior to walking through that healing, were there ways in which those that pain was seeping out in your relationships with your husband, with your kids, with, with friends you mentioned that weren't walking, I guess, the Christian faith? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely in my marriage, um, you're almost you're trying to find someone to make it better for you, but no one's going to make it better for you. And you get angry at those that are close to you because it's like, why aren't you making it better? But you're not understanding. You're not understanding why things aren't really falling into place. And you do, you, you tend to gravitate towards toxic people, toxic friends. You know, again, it's that circle of abuse. It's that circle of um, just using you and, and, you know, having, and I would, you couldn't even really call them friendships, but um, yeah, just not lifting you up and edifying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and and also, you, you know, as as a mother, um, not being able to give my all to my children. Although you, I'm, I am, you know, you do try, but there's always something, and and I realize, you know, you can't give what you don't have. Yes, and so. I needed to heal in order to be a better mother and a better wife and a better version of myself to give to my family. And ultimately they were what mattered and that was, you know, obviously first and foremost and not trying to nurture destructive relationship and and friendships around me. And so I guess you mentioned COVID being a gift. Was the gift of COVID that you were, I guess, pulled away from those toxic relationships because you were in Melbourne, the longest lockdowns in the entire world. <laughs> so you think that was a gift, but is that the gift? Was that it was able to separate and put some distance between you and those toxic relationships? Yeah. It, yes, that and also because um, I'd already seen God starting to make those changes prior to COVID. But it really grew my friendship with um, two of my most amazing sisters in Christ, I call them, (laughs) Alyssa and Jess. And, you know, together we just lifted each other up. But more importantly, we encouraged each other through the faith. And COVID, yes, it was the longest lockdown. So there was a lot of things that were tested, obviously, you, you know, your patience. But it also gave me a lot of downtime. And during that downtime, I didn't want to waste it on Netflix or scrolling you know I gave up during that time I gave up all social media um and I picked up the bible for the first time and I started reading scriptures and I started um just 
delving deeper into my faith and listening to podcasts and, and, you know, watching videos that were all related to him. And that's why I say, yeah, the gift of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, praise God. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Um, and yeah, it was challenging at the best of times, but I just found total peace through it all because I knew I had, you know, God walking with me and no matter what happens or what not, or, what was going to happen, it was fine because he was there. Mm. So beautiful. Tell me, Roxanne, you, I guess, experienced like the love and mercy and you grew in your relationship with God the Father and Jesus as his son and the Holy Spirit. But I know the Blessed Mother Mary plays such an important role in your life and you've just borne witness to that. Can you share with us a little bit about your relationship with the Blessed Mother and why that? Obviously, it's so important because your earthly mother, there were some wounds there, but could you speak into your relationship with the Blessed Mother? Yes, yeah, so I, um, I've i always knew of Our Lady and um, growing up, I, I somewhat knew how to pray a rosary. I didn't know much about it. Um, however, a friend of mine, um, introduced me to the devotion of Our Lady and she said, you know, you need to um, just pray to her to intercede, intercede for you and introduce me to novenas. And I think the first novena um, was Our Lady of Undura of Knots. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember just learning about her and coming into relationship with her. And I looked at her and I go, you are the epitome of a woman, of what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a woman in Christ. And I just started to want to learn more about her just as much as I wanted to learn more about my faith and about God. I wanted to know more about Our Lady and the more I knew about her, the more I fell in love with her and the more I wanted to turn to her and, and you know, um, mm. ask for her guidance and, and her grace just you know, on the miraculous medal, the graces that she has from her finger, she's asking us to receive it. So, you know, I pray to her, give me the grace that, you know, God wants to see me to be a better mum, to be a better wife. And and there's just something so powerful with her, her humility, her love, her humility in her suffering. I think about everything and try to, you know, walk in her shoes, which is impossible because I couldn't imagine having to bear witness to my son, you know, being crucified and being you know, mutilated and and just, but through that she knew what her role was and what she was to do through her suffering and that was the key to unlocking my suffering and what I needed to do with that suffering. Mm, So beautiful. And and this month that we're in now, May, is the month. It's Mary's month, isn't it? Yeah. So do you have a particular devotion during May, like, do you, or is that just a devotion that carries through the whole year? I've got um, a devotion to the rosary. So yes. I pray the rosary every day. Um, I have a bowl of rosaries in my home that are blessed so that anyone who doesn't have a rosary can take one with them. Um, but through May, I really try to tend to pray all four mysteries of the rosaries a day. Um, I remember going through my journey um, back to to Christ and um, especially there was a lot of tension with my husband and I at the time and we were at a real low point in our marriage and, you know, that it was a crossroads of, you know, a part of me, do I stay? And I think, oh, no, you know, God doesn't want, you know, us to separate and this is the enemy trying to 
weave his way into our marriage and you know I felt hopeless and there was many nights that I just didn't even know what to say so I just prayed the rosary and I remember just it was a couple of months two three months and it was just helplessness I really felt helpless in my marriage and I just thought no I'm just going to pray the rosary and I prayed the rosary I was praying all four um rosaries a day and just offering it up offering it up for my marriage offering it up for my husband and just saying you know god our lady you you work it you fix it i i'm not going to try and you know try and fix it every time i do it just gets worse and i and it's it's that trust you know god calls us to be childlike in our love and trust in him and it means letting go it really means just letting go and giving it to him not saying i'll give you 90 percent, but i'm just going to try and fix the 10 percent you truly trust and love the Lord in his mercy and in his graces, he will fix it to you, fix it for you. But you have to trust it's in his own time. And just you ask our lady, can you help me carry that cross in the meantime? And she did. And out of all of those prayers, out of that suffering, out of that um, willingness to let go and just sur- to surrender, my husband turned around and said, he wanted yeah. to become Catholic. <laughs> I love this. Oh, it's just the most, it makes me cry every time you talk about it. Isn't that yes. incredible? It was, and it was the year of Saint Joseph. Oh, so, um, it was the year my son was getting confirmed, and he chose in his mind that he wanted to um, choose Saint Joseph as his saint. And so, for Christmas, I bought him the consecration to Saint Joseph book. And um, at this time, my husband and I, we weren't even sharing a bed. We were just, it was really, really tense. We yeah. barely spoke. We we spoke only when we needed to. It was one of those, I think I look back and I think, wow, what God got us through, what Our Lady got us through. And now, you know, I owe great um, gratitude to St. Joseph. And I said to my son, I said, oh, you know, why don't you invite your dad to do the consecration of St. Joseph with you? And he did, and that's, yeah, halfway through my husband said to me that he wanted to um, become Catholic. And at first I got upset with him because I thought he was using <laughs> my face to try and weasel his way back into the good books. And and I thought, no, God, this is what, you know, I pray. I didn't even pray for his conversion. I just prayed for him and I let, you know, the Holy Spirit do what he needed to do. And, and now, you know, my husband, he leads prayer of a night. He leads us, you know, to the Eucharist at every Mass and, yeah, he's, praise it's... Be God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know, people say prayers don't work, but never underestimate the power of prayer and inviting Our Lady and Our Lord and St. Joseph into those places, like especially into your home where you want to model that faith of the Holy Family and you want that in your family, invite them in and they will do the work because I can... If you asked me two years ago, three years ago, that your husband will be a faithful Catholic going to confession and receiving <laughs> the Eucharist, I would just laugh in your face and I would be like, there is no way in the world that would ever happen. But God Miracles does happen. Miracles. It does. does. He does move mountains. And you just got to have the faith and the humility to surrender to him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that surrender and detachment is the key. It's a path to the, yeah. And there's a great peace that comes with it as well when you do surrender because, the, you know, well, it's not on my shoulders, Lord, it's on your your shoulders, sorry, to burden you, but that's what he wants. 
you know, says, you, come to me, all you labor and a heavy burden. I'll give you right. rest for your soul. Yeah. And I think we always try to complicate our relationship with God, but he really truly just calls us to be his children. And then when we look at our children and we look at children, even if you don't have children, you look at the innocence and how they turn to adults or how they turn to parents or their guardians for help, you know, or um, for that love. That's all he wants us to do. And I think as adults, we try to complicate it and we try to make it more than what it tends to be. But, you know, when I truly understood, him, you know, him saying surrender and be childlike, and that's what I did. God, it's, mm. it, it fix it, make it better. Yeah, amen. Oh, Rox, it's just, it just fills me with such hope because we need to see miracles sometimes. We need to see yeah. that. Um, God gives those little miracles to us as graces and gifts to keep moving along this journey and to keep following him. And praise God. And I just keep praying mm-hmm. over your family that God will keep taking you from strength to strength as a family in relationship yeah. with him. Absolutely. I remember in the masterclass, we do one unit on um, the rhythm of connection. So we talk about our relationships and one of those is on marriage and parenting and our key relationships in life. I remember you were saying just how you would just get so cranky so quickly and just, I guess, walking through this journey and, and coming to the Lord like has really transformed, I guess, patience for you because you were sharing that patience was something that you struggled with. Yeah. Do you feel that that's still an ongoing area of transformation that you've received those graces in? Yes. Uh, you know, patience, um, especially as a mother. Um, <laughs> it's so, it, I need it's so tested. much of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's truly tested and I remember just to um, jump jump in on you. They often say like they marriage is the vocation, which is our call yeah. to holiness. But I actually I often say I joke. I mean, I understand the sacramental signs, but the parenting is because you can still be selfish in marriage, but parenting doesn't leave much room for selfishness because you still have to get up and go beyond yourself. It's it's hard work. So yes, yes patience is especially being tired. It is a yeah. virtue. And you know, I pray for it and I remember reading it somewhere and um, saying God's not going to give you that virtue, but he'll give you moments to practice that virtue. Yeah. And I was remember I was starting to get a little bit cross um, and my eldest son said, Mum, remember, God's giving you this to grow in patience. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you, Mama. <laughs> um, oh, I but I can, I, I can definitely see journeying with him. My it, it has grown, that virtue has grown, and whereas, you know, if I was always cranky or just constantly snap so instantly, I'd just take a breather and I could just hear God or and I hear Our Lady and, and most especially Our Lady because I when I get into those moments where I get really angry or get upset or I snap, I think our Holy Mother would have never done that with Christ. <laughs> like, can you please try and be like Our Lady? And, you know, I can I can hear her just, in, in in the back of my mind just saying take a breath mm. or walk away count to 10 come back and model love and that's mm. what it comes down to disciplining with love you know you know just um when the moment you want to snap <laughs> you just god give me the grace to get through this moment mm. and yeah just coming back and and saying okay well, you shouldn't have done this and this is the reason why and, you know, yeah. I do love you. Mummy's not upset but I'm just upset at the situation. And it's just, it's it's words. Words are powerful and, and I know how important, how w- words can affect you 
especially through what I've experienced and, mm. you know, a lot of the trauma and the um, the hurt and the scars that I bear from very hurtful words, um, I know how much that impacts a child. Yeah. So I'm very diligent in, in the words that I use around my children and, and what I'm saying to them, especially if I have been upset or, you know, I also remind myself that we are still human, we're still broken, we're still flawed and we still make mistakes and, you know, mummy guilt's very, very real. Um, but, I, you know, it's having the humility to go back to your child and say, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have handled that situation that way and mummy's, you know, working to be better. Um, but, you know, kids can handle that. Kids can handle that parents make mistakes but we acknowledge it because we want to model that in our children that it's okay to make mistakes. But if yes. you come back and you're remorseful and you're sorry about it, we just try to There's work on exactly, you yeah. know, and I do ask for forgiveness from my children the moments that I've, you know, not behaved the way that I should have. Yeah, it's so important. They need to see that modelled. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really important. Oh, Roxanne, you're so inspiring. And I just, I love how the Blessed Mother has really played that key role in terms of your intercession to her. And that's just so incredible. And I know John Paul too just talks about her being the perfect example of what it means to be a woman. And so looking to her, especially during this month of May, I guess, to model ourselves as Catholic women on, I guess, some of those beautiful qualities that she portrays that she practices um that we can just aspire to be like her in our femininity and our womanhood is such a gift it really is a gift you know she she leads us to christ and as women we're called to lead others to christ to lead our children to christ um again if you don't have children to lead those around you to christ and um you know there's strength in her, her humility and i think we could take so much from that um yeah because there's so much peace that comes with humility as well because you, you you start to let go. You let go of anger. You let go of hurt. You let go, you know, there's detachment of things of the world um, in that humility and, you know, joy as well. She, ex she exuded joy even in her greatest suffering. If we replicate, you know, that inner joy, it just naturally comes out of us mm. and people are drawn to that. People want to know why are you so joyful? You know, why are you radiating? And it's it's just a perfect segue to say, well, here's a rosary, pick it up. Or, you know, yeah. thanks be to God, I'm like this. And um, praise, God. praise God. Yeah. You know, there's so many examples throughout, um, you know, the Gospels of Our Lady and, and what she's done and in Scripture. And we can just model that, you know, we just, mm -hmm. even in, in her humility, when a her husband couldn't even get her a place to stay to give birth to her child. <laughs> you know, we could imagine us in that moment and how we would react. But, you know, our lady took it in her stride and said, Lord, let it be. And so it is. And if we can just let go exactly like our lady, just let it go and gave it to God, mm -hmm. how many graces we'll receive. Amen. So beautiful. Roxanne, thank you so much. I could sit here and have this conversation with you all day, but you're so beautiful. And I just praise God for the journey that he's had you on and the restoration that's happened in your life. And I just pray that that would just continue. Thank you so much, Karen. And look, if I can just add to anyone listening, you know, just really, you know, take the time to sit with God and ask him to, to sit with you in those wounds and just 
you know, he's not going to take those wounds away to make it easy for you, but to make you understand why you've got those wounds and what he, how he can transform you in that suffering and what a gift suffering is, although, you know, it's very hard to see it from, you know, a worldly perspective, but there is just so much we can, um, you know, give back to the world and in, in ourself and ultimately peace that comes and that love that comes with it and really to invite Our Lady in. And, you know, it is the month of May and to, you know, if you don't have a devotion to Our Lady, start start now, even just praying a decade a day and just ask her, okay, I'm starting now. I'll leave the rest for you. Help me to grow in in, in that relationship with you and, and continue to lead me to Christ. Amen. God bless you, Roxanne. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. God bless you. In this conversation, Roxanne and I touched on the Catholic Women's Masterclass and we have a full cohort that kicked off after the Sisterhood Conference and we are opening the doors again for another cohort, ladies, in just a couple of weeks. So if you are interested, please send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co. I'm very happy to answer any of your questions or jump on a phone call with you. But this Masterclass, as Roxanne said, was truly transformational in her life. It has been in the lives of many of the women who have come through it and I would love to extend that invitation to you as well. This group runs for four months and we meet once a fortnight on Zoom and in between those fortnight group coaching calls, you have access to the full Genius Project portal in which you walk through the video modules. Now, there are nine modules in this masterclass as well as a workbook and the idea is that we would just walk through these different rhythms of renewal that can actually set you up to thrive in life and set you up for restoration and transformation so that you can live into the fullness of who God has created you to be. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.